How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagney here, welcoming you to edition number nine of Joe vs. the World. It's Japan Week here. My guest today is a, a pioneer of sorts in the internet wrestling radio, having done it in some form for almost three years and interviewing some of the biggest names in pro wrestling and MMA. He's the former host of the Paresu Power Hour and the current host of the Dr. Keith Lipinski Show. I can be speaking only of Dr. Keith Lipinski. Keith, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself, Joe? Thanks oh, for having, having me on your show. I'm tremendous. Now, um, we, we just got two Dr. Keith shows, but before that, there was a bit of a gap in between the last one, about a month. What happened? Uh, there was a number of factors, young Joe. Uh, I, you don't know this, but after you've been hosting radio shows for a long time, you tend to get sort of burnt out. And uh, I found myself experiencing some burnout uh, after I think I did something like four shows in a few weeks. And it just got to the point where it just felt like all I was doing was coming home, working on the shows, ignoring my wife, and more importantly, ignoring my true love, that of the hustle. So I, I realized that I was like, well, you know what? I'm sick of doing all these shows. Let's take some time off. Let's relax. Let's regroup. Because then when I go back to it, I'm going to be feeling fresh as a daisy and wanting to put together some fantastic shows. That was my plan. That was my plan just to take a nice two weeks off to enjoy a stunning Memorial Day and just relax and then come back with some shows. Unfortunately, uh, when I was about to come back, I somehow or other, I don't know how this happened, got laryngitis. Uh, laryngitis, Joe, if, if you don't know, sucks. All right? Laryngitis is basically the, the ways you're not supposed to talk when you have laryngitis. There's not a wonder drug. It's not like Viagra where you can just pop one and all of a sudden, bam, I'm talking left and right and I can host a radio show. No, that totally cuts you off right at the knees and you are unable to speak whatsoever. And for someone that likes to talk as much as me, it was awful. I couldn't speak for an entire week. Uh, when I could speak, I could cut prom promos like the zombie, but really no one wants to hear like a two-hour show of that, especially if I'm interviewing people like Brian Harrison, the director of the Heroes of World Class DVD. So basically, I, it was two weeks off because I, you know, because I was forced to due to my doctor telling me, Dr. Keith, as we're playing our weekly squash match, I cannot have you on your radio show talking right now, and two weeks of me just relaxing, doing nothing. So you didn't come back early in true wrestling form. You, you think I would just to surprise the people, but, I mean, my doctor was very adamant about me not talking, and uh, my wife was adamant about me talking, and uh, going to dinner with her was, you know, as you can expect, a lot of fun because I could not talk, and she was forced to carry the bulk of the conversation, much like a great tag team where one person does all the work and the other person nods and tries to text into his phone to actually communicate with his wife. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Oh, yeah. And uh, I have to mention this as well. When we were trying to schedule time for this show, you mentioned Saturday was bad because, quote-unquote, you were probably going to be hungover after the bad mustache party. Oh, yeah. And there's a picture of you floating around with a mustache. And, and you look like one of those one of those circus strongmen from, like, 1906, only um, without the muscles. Well, you didn't see the fact that I was actually had 700 pounds I was squatting at the time. That's why the look of surprise on my face. And that, that as well as the fact that's the moment where I, Dr. Kupinski, achieved puberty. <laughs> the balls totally dropped, and you could see that with the medicine balls. But really, I wanted the picture to be for the kids. And, and more importantly, the, the sad thing was that we did have a wonderful bad mustache party. Not bad as in, you know, that's a bad mustache, but guys with really awful, pathetic mustaches. I mean, we really weren't discriminating here, Joe. 
But uh, we actually had it on the weekend of Chicago that celebrated gay pride. So there, the, the irony of that was not really lost on any of the people planning it, but it was sort of a thing. It was a recurring joke between myself and my friends. Early on in the year, we, we proclaimed that 2006 would finally be the year of the mustache. However, several of us have wives, and the wives were not very happy about this idea at all. That they, they, you know, they didn't grow up watching Magnum TA, watching Magnum PI, or basically anything with Magnum in it, Joe. And they did not know how awesome a wonderful mustache could be. And uh, when my wife finally saw it, as she was on, as she was on a work trip for a few days, uh, she was she was not happy, as you can imagine. Oh, wow! So. There's no videotape of this mustache party, is there? Oh, you know, there could be, Joe, but you're just basically opening yourself up for lots of lawsuits. So <laughs> there there currently is not any videotape. I'm actually, I, I did take pictures. I, I was extremely busy. I was bartending at the Bad Mustache Party, and I was, you know, being very social. So I, I wasn't necessarily able to snap a lot of pictures, but the pictures I have snapped, I'm thinking about putting together in some sort of slideshow with Aha's take on me as the background music, so... I look forward to that. I think we all are, Joe. Well, it, it's Japan Week here, Joe versus the world. So, uh, now, what caused this week to be Japan Week? I, I'm just, I'm just curious about that. As someone that sort of follows Japanese wrestling, even though I do not host the Press Power Hour anymore, I'm curious that why this week is Japan Week. I mean, is there any special reason? Is it because of the 30th anniversary of Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki in the match that quote unquote started the MMA revolution, even though it was Awful. No, I, I like to do I like to do theme shows. I've done a lucha show. Um, this this Thursday, I will be having uh, Michael Coughlin on the show to discuss MMA, which will be high comedy. Uh, Am I allowed to swear on this show? You may go nuts. That boy's a fucking idiot, okay? That's all I'll say about Mike. No, I actually got to meet Mike for the first time. I mean, even though we used to host the show together uh, over the weekend at the Ring of Honor show, and uh, I think I could take him in a professional fight. Even though he is a trained fighter, and me, I just am a man that formerly had a mustache that, as Joe mentioned, made me look like an Olympic strongman without the muscles. But uh, I think I could take Mike in a fight. Well, with all the uh, MMA organizations springing up, I'm sure someone will book that somewhere. I, I'm, I'm actually, if I had an MMA organization, I, would be, I wouldn't even book it. Maybe the uh, IFL. Maybe you can be on uh, Inoki's team. <laughs> you know, that would just be a living dream because I, I, you know, when you live, Joe, you set up a series of goals, and one of my goals in the long run is to be slapped by Antonio Noki. So if, that, if me being on his IFL team could actually happen, I would have no problem being slapped by Mr. Noki. And even though I feel I sort of have a loose tooth, Fear not, it will not affect any of my performances on my show. I still would have no problem him slapping me on that side and the tooth possibly flying out because, of course, the tooth might be gone, but my fighting spirit will be raised. Yeah, I say the fighting spirit you you gain would uh, would greatly outweigh any gap in your teeth. Oh yeah. Well, what the hell are we talking? Oh yeah, it's. Uh, I think we're talking Japan, we Joe. Yeah. So. What's um What's going on in Japan? And uh, you can't use the word shitty or toilet. Okay. Well. Let's see. Can I can I actually do a toilet noise as uh, the monster toilet would possibly like to speak on this? Oh, let's, let's talk about Japan right now, Joe. Because Japan right now, it, it's you know, it's not the greatest time in Japan or Japanese wrestling history. But at the same time, we've been saying this throughout this decade that you know, oh, it isn't the glory days. This isn't the peak. Uh, 
basically you have you know the same big promotions are there. You still have your All Japan still there, your New Japan still there, your Noah is you know still the promotion that people go to when they want them exciting matches and are all care about the work rates. But uh, New Japan has been through so much over the last few years. All Japan, it seemed like last year that they were finally you know. They at least had some decent ideas and sort of were pulling ahead possibly, but still weren't even touching hustle as a, as opposed to, you know, bad wrestling and creativity mixed up together. Uh, New Japan, you know, the problem with New Japan and All Japan was the fact that they created several foreign monsters, and uh, All Japan's big foreign monsters all seemed to go, and you had something towards the end of last year where it seemed that no one, wa- no one American wanted to work in all Japan anymore, where you had the Dudleys, Giant Bernardo, I'm sorry, Team 3D, I don't want you to get sued by the WWE, because those lawyers are, are bitches, you know, and I'm going to get sued for saying that, Joe, so I'm, I'm just trying to protect you here, I know you're an up-and-coming show, I don't want you to sit there and go through the same problems with WWE legal as I have to deal with, usually on a weekly basis, but, uh, so what was I talking about? I was probably talking about Japan. I Japan, so. I mean, I mean, the, the problem is, you're, you're always going to have people sit there going, you know, oh, it's not, you know, it's not 1992 anymore or 1991. Like, these are not the glory days of Japan. That might be true, but at the same time, there is a lot of good stuff coming out of Japan. I guess I could say Dragon's Gate, but every smart wrestling fan right now knows that I could possibly just name God Dragon's Gate without seeing it and sound like a smart fan. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to name drop Dragon's Gate because that's a promotion that I've always found is, is, is fun, you know. And I, I didn't really like, realize how much fun it was until I got to see it live in Chicago over WrestleMania weekend. And seeing those guys live was just totally opened my eyes and gave me a lot of appreciation for the work that all those guys do. And I've been actually on sort of a Dragon's Gate kick lately. And, uh, you know, I, you know, usually, Joe, I just come home and just watch my hustle DVDs and cry for the fact that no one in America can get this and the fact that people sit there and don't respect hustle like they should. It's not just about pelvic thrusting, Joe. It's about a lot more. Well, we'll get into hustle in, uh, in a little bit. And, um, but I know it's, it's not the glory days, but, but what, went, what went wrong, so to speak, to make things the state they are now? I, you, you know, I don't want to say... I, I really don't want to blame any one little thing, but I, I think 9-11 really affected the Japanese wrestling business. No, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, I, I, I think the, the number one problem, of course, was the MMA revolution that happened in Japan and the fact that all of a sudden wrestling was no longer the popular thing to do or real fighting was where it's at. The problem is the fact that so many years in Japan, people thought real fighting was professional wrestling. And, you know, that doesn't mean the Japanese people are stupid, per se. That doesn't mean, that what that basically means is the Japanese people don't necessarily, didn't necessarily want to believe that this was fake. They wanted to believe that there was at least a total sense of realism. The same sense of realism, Joe, that probably, you know, brought fans like yourself, myself, and maybe five other fans in this country to Japanese pro wrestling in the first place. So the fact that you're watching this, and either you were, you know, impressed by the high-flying moves of someone like Jushin Thunder you're on a WCW pay-per-view in 1991, or you were amazed at, you know, such guys as Masawa, Kobashi, Jumbo, like all these guys, and just the fantastic matches that they had. But uh, that hard-hitting style was something that drew a lot of people into Japan, and the Japanese people would love to sit there. I mean, look at the UWFI versus New Japan feud. 
I mean, that was an incredible feud because people were sitting there and pro wrestling was indeed strongest. However, you get pro wrestlers in the MMA arena and basically they have not really been all that successful. And I know you're shocked at that, Joe. I know I'm glad you're sitting down right now as a good radio host should as I'm on the microphone right now talking. But the problem with that is the fact that New Japan, they're basically, they're big stars, you know, basically look like chumps next to shoe fighters. And, you know, that's not the bad thing, but the problem with it is the fact that in order for a wrestling company to do extremely well, you have to have guys that never lose. And I'm, I'm not talking about, like, you know, Bill Goldberg has to go through everybody, but you need to at least have some sort of pecking order. The problem with a lot, a lot, of, a lot of times I see with New Japan was the fact that the pecking order was all over the place and was basically Antonio Noki taking guys out of, you know, main events and towards the top of the card and putting them into, of course, MMA fights where they would look terrible or the fact that they would have so many losses and then they would be brought up as world champion and then look like shit. Like uh, Tenzan, for instance. Let's look at Tenzan. Never did any MMA fights, Joe. Never, ever did one MMA fight. Yet at the same time, was booked poorly a lot, and thus, you know, basically looked like crap. He had his first title reign. You know, he had that awesome... Do you remember how you felt about Tenzon when he went in the G1 that one year? I think it was uh, 2000... 2003, I think. 2003. 2003. 2003, he gets a nice haircut. He gets a new finishing hold, you know, and you're sitting there going, wow. And you're looking at that, that G1 that year, and you, I was just like, my God, Tenzan is finally great again. This is going to be their chance. They're going to push him all the way to the moon. He gets the world title, and what happens, Joe? Uh, he lost it like a week later. Yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that. You know, it's it's up to the point where New Japan didn't decide if they wanted to be a shoot organization or a, you know, wrestling organization. And that's sort of hard, especially when you are trying to be professional wrestling as opposed to MMA. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the fact is all the all the New Japan guys have had significant losses and basically a lot of them are not really draws anymore because of that. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying they're going New Japan is shit because I'm not going to sit there and say that. I'm going to say that they have some problems but they're definitely not shit. I mean, when you look at guys like Tanahashi and Tanahashi is another guy that's sort of been, you know, sort of on the fence when it comes to its booking. Nakamura is missing in action right now. For all we know, he could be locked up somewhere in Mike Sapervivi's basement. I mean, it's just, it's, it's sort of like one thing or another with that company, and at least this year, I mean, don't get me, don't get me wrong. Every year, New Japan has some very good matches, mm-hmm. okay? A-Train, Giant Bernardo, whatever you want to call him, versus Yuji Nagata was a fantastic match. The problem with that match, though, is the fact that people still look at Yuji Nagata, and the first thing that an average, possibly Japanese wrestling fan thinks of are the awesome shoot fights that he's had. And the second thing they think of is the fact that he was Mr. IWGP a few years ago. Mm. You know, they don't necessarily sit there and look at Nagata. And you know what? Because of that, the people in America that are getting into Japanese wrestling now look at Yuji Nagata, and they are, they are showing him a lack of respect right now. So for all you young, you know, smart Japanese press fans, shame on you. I always, I always like, I always had a soft spot for uh, Yuji Nagata. I, I thought he was a raw deal. 
I, you know, you know what I think it is because it was awesome when back in the day in WCW when he had the matching trunks and also the knee pads and also the elbow pads. Like, and the uh, car mat he wore to the ring. Oh, totally. He 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 kicked ass. I mean, I I always had a soft spot for him too because the time that I was really getting into Japanese wrestling, like I mean, I I started watching Japanese wrestling maybe like for the WCW New Japan Super Show. Like that was the first thing reading about that in the in the fucking national with Dave Meltzer was the thing that originally got me started into you know into New Japan and some All Japan, and then of course you know. I think it was probably around the time that, you know, I was watching Nitro and just being like, there's got to be more wrestling than this. And uh, then I started picking up more Japanese stuff. And that was the time that Nagata was wrestling for WCW. And that made me really interested in liking his matches, Ultimo Dragon and all those guys. And that's, that's what, you know, cinched it for me. And that's why I've been watching, you know, Japanese pro wrestling pretty consistently since probably like 1998. Mm. So... Yeah, well, let's uh, let's talk about New Japan, and um, I get the feeling Brock Lesnar's IWGP reigns coming to an end soon with him going into shoot fighting. There, shoot fighting it again, and everyone's just kind of disappointed with Brock in New Japan. Uh, what went wrong? This should have been this should have been awesome. I, I I think a lot what's gone wrong with Brock is the fact that people I guess were expecting Brock. I guess I guess number one, people were expecting Brock to save the company. You know, they were expecting, here he is, here's this brand guy. I mean, Brock is someone that sort of was a proven yet unproven commodity in the WWE. Like, we saw that he had very good matches with a lot of great guys. But at the same time, you know, he the way he left and the fact that it's been a while since he wrestled again sort of, like, brought up a lot of questions. And the fact that he wasn't working a regular schedule for New Japan sort of hurt. And, I mean, that's another thing that's led to New Japan's problems that they've been having lately is the fact that, for the most part, over the last few years, the regular IWGP champion hasn't really wrestled, you know, which, which you know, is good, I guess, if, you know, if you're not in a wrestling organization. But if you're on top of a wrestling organization, you would hope that your world heavyweight champion would fight more than once every few months or every once in a blue moon. And granted, the fact that, you know, Brock's contenders for the title weren't also, you know, weren't the most desirable wrestlers in the world. I mean, don't get me wrong, there were some good wrestlers, but the fact that, you know, he went through Naganishi and Nagata on consecutive nights where they could have actually, if you're not going to use them that much, that's fine, but at least give a game plan, give us some idea of what you want to do with this guy so we could sit there and say, okay, he's going to have Naganishi for lunch in December, and then he's going to have an appetizer of Nagata come the Dome Show. Or at least well, at least once a month, they could actually do something with him and build up the title shots that the guys would get. Instead, okay, here's this guy, here's this guy, here's the New Japan Cup, here's Giant Bernard, and that match was, was, was a pretty nice little match. You know, I'm not going to sit there and say it was a five-star classic, but I, I definitely enjoyed that match. But it's just, there's something about Brock that's just missing right now. I don't know if it's the fact that, you know, he's wrestling shorter matches, or if it's the fact that he doesn't have his tailbone tights anymore. Maybe it's that new tattoo he had. Yeah, and you know what? That that actually might be it, but at the same time, when I think of chest tattoos and I think of Scott Steiner right now, I'm actually enjoying his work more. So I don't know if that's necessarily working for or against him, but uh, I, I, I don't know what it is right now with Brock. It could be, as you mentioned, Joe, the Thundercats tattoo on his chest. <laughs> Because he was a huge fan, obviously. But uh, 
I, I, you know, you would hope that having him as your world champion would make, you know, New Japan sort of a player, and that's fine and all, but do we necessarily know if the Japanese are coming just to see Brock? I, we, we really haven't gotten that sense because he hasn't worked out that many dates. Anyway, he has. I mean, you know, there was a match with Akabono, which, you know, ended with sort of a, you know, hmm, could they rematch this? And then, you know, maybe New Japan was like, okay, wait, why would we want to rematch this again? So, and that, that's no offense to Akabono because he is, he, he was gracious enough to come on my show and I, I, I still am a big Akabono fan. You know, he was honestly my favorite sumo of the, you know, last, uh, you know, of the last decade. Of course, I'm not a big sumo fan, so I don't really know him that much. Okay. Well, it's almost August. That means it's almost G1 time. What would you do oh, yes. in the G1 this year? Well, you know, I would probably do pretty bad because I'm not a professional wrestler. <laughs> oh, God. No, uh, what would I do with the G1? Well, here, here's where it actually gets sort of interesting because Masa Chono, it looks like, well, Mr. August himself will not be in the G1. Uh-oh. So basically, the idea of there being a, some sort of four- or five-way tie towards the end could possibly be gone. I hope so because one thing I hate about the booking of Japanese tournaments, at least in the decade of the 2000s, is the fact that a lot of ties seem to be the ways to go. Uh, you know, the question is, though, is Nakamura going to come back for this? I mean, I understand. Believe me, if you are in a heavy set of weight rotation, Joe, you don't necessarily want to come back to work a tournament in August because the buildings are going to be sort of hot, and they might be full of professional wrestling fans. <laughs> but, I, 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 and that's shocking to both you and I. Uh, I the one thing that they could do to make the int- this a little bit more interesting is bring uh, Kojima in from All Japan mm-hmm. to work this. But at the same time, does that mean he'll eventually get fed to Brock? I don't think so. I, I, that, that, to me, seems pretty you know, fucking stupid on everyone's behalf, other than possibly giving Brock a very, very good match that I'd be interested in seeing. But, uh, it's, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's sort of hard to say right now because I don't necessarily... I can't really get in the New Japan mind, mind frame because I do not work for Ukes. But if I worked for Ukes, I bet I could tell you perfectly, and it doesn't involve putting out a video game or anything like that, or, or any of the multiple wrestling promotions that they have to do now with uh, Chono on top. So basically what I'm trying to say here, Joe, in a roundabout words, I see the finals being Chono playing the Wrestling Kingdom video game and losing as Brock Lesnar to uh, uh, Yamamoto, who's playing as uh, uh, Takayama. Wow, what, what an upset. I think, uh, and that would be that would be something that all the tape collectors would want to get. And for all you tape collectors out there, definitely go to PressDVDTourist.com and check out the best of 2005 DVDs. Sorry, Joe, I just gotta get in the plugs every once in a while. That's okay. And you know what? I bet you would beat uh, El Samurai if you were in the G1 and he was in the G1. But he would not be in the G1 because he would be in the best of the Super Juniors instead. So you would probably go uh, without a without a win. I, I hope so. I hope so. But but let's look at oh, let's look at the first second here. The Super Juniors that just just concluded a few weeks ago. Uh, Monero finally won, which is good. But at the same time, I'm still having heat flashbacks. So I mean, it, it's like it's like one of those things where you know it's it's so much back and forth lately that I just I just want some stability in in New Japan. And it seems like they were it seems like they could have possibly done some stuff this year to get that fine stability. But then all of a sudden, you know, really just having New Japan was not enough. But if you had a Russell land and a lockup, oh, then you would have something magical. You know, it's 
Hey, it's all. You know, no matter how you slice it in a lockup or a wrestle land, it's still New Japan. Yep. But uh, lockup is a little bit more choshu. So I, I, I guess I would have to say here, Joe, I'm a wrestle land man. Oh, that's good to know. When I read about the finals, I haven't seen the match. I heard uh, the best, best of Super Juniors finals is very good, and I heard uh, people were into it. It's a nice story. But at the same time, I feel like I've seen these guys wrestle a million times in the past few years. Like, how many times can Minoru give, give the guy an arm bar? Well, he does a very nice arm bar, though. That's that, that, but, but at the same time, yeah, I totally agree with you. And especially with, uh, with the 28th yearly tease of Fujinami leaving New Japan, really, with all that stuff, it's just like, you know, sometimes I just, I read, I go to Stu Max's sites, because I, I, I just always enjoy it. It's fun, fun reading. And uh, I just read it, and I'm just like, Okay, no, Fujinami leaving, so, so fucking what? Or, Choshu's coming back. So, you know, any time that I have so fucking what as my answer for something on, on pro wrestling, there's a problem there. Yeah. A big time problem. And, you know, Nishimura and Takamura uh, and all these guys coming back together, having their own promotion, I have no problem with that. I, you know, if, if, if this means that I have to watch a bunch of, of small, rickety promotions, I have no problem with that as long as they're doing something wacky. There you go. That's, that's New Japan in a nutshell. Uh, let's jump over to the land of the green the green mats, Pro Wrestling Noah. Yes, and, and, and as a wrestling fan, I can say nothing bad about this because Noah puts on the greatest shows known to man, yeah. sort of. Well, no, Noah, Noah, Noah's great. Noah is, is the one Japanese promotion that you can sit there and say, well... You know, you can try, it's sort of like, you know, that, that really hot girl and trying to find some faults on her. You, if you look really deep, you can try, but at the most part, you're just like, yeah, that's, that's sexier than Takayama. <laughs> well, if this was years past, we'd be getting ready for a big Noah Dome show in July, but not having one this year. No, no, I actually, I actually found that out by, uh, from Joe Gucci, who told me, uh, shortly before I saw Kenta Race, Broadway Steel in December that they were probably not going to do a dome show this year. So he basically broke my heart, and I didn't want to babysit him anymore. Now, I guess the reason they're doing it is that they don't think they have a match that can draw a good crowd, so they don't want to lose money, which is a novel idea in you, the wrestling you would, business. You, you would, we'll see, but, but here's the thing. You know, New Japan's doing the same thing, too, and now because they're not running a dome show anymore, I guess that's probably leading to their demise in the public eye. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, isn't this isn't this kind of look bad? I mean, if you're Noah, where well, you pretty much say, "Well, we don't have a match exciting enough to uh, draw a big crowd," so not, I mean, have it. not really, because it was only like a once a year thing, mm. and I, I think they 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 feel they have enough star power there with their pro wrestling sem group that they don't necessarily have to really, you know, for for I mean, they probably will do do a dome show next year. I'm thinking. But at the same time, I think a lot of people would sit there and go, oh, do you want to go to the Tokyo Dome? There's wrestling there. And, you know, possibly they could get some of the people that always went to the New Japan Dome shows because of the fact that New Japan really hasn't done anything in the Dome in quite some time. Hmm. But at the same time, if you're going to sit there and run the Dome show main event from two years ago, unless, of course, it is a screening of that first show, then, you know, why would you necessarily Akiyama... Kobashi, two years later, don't get me wrong, it's still going to be a good match, but it's still going to be Akiyama and Kobashi. You know, and that's telling me that, you know, oh, you know, Marafuji, nah, he doesn't really need a push. Or, you know, Tale, his push is coming later on, this kid, just sit back and relax while he does some jobs right now. So, you know, I, I want to, I, I guess what I'm trying to say here, Joe, is I want to blame it all on Akiyama. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of Akiyama, uh, 
at the next big Budokan show, uh, he's going to be teaming with Mitsuharu Misawa against Kenta Kobashi and the returning Yoshihiro Takayama, fresh from his samurai drama TV show. And, and do, don't you, you and I both hope the fact that Takayama on a samurai TV drama show actually has some stuff, some scenes with Kenta Kobashi, like whether they're like doctors at some sort of Japanese hospital on some sort of soap opera, just to hype this match. Not that this match really needs a lot of hype because, you know, it is Takayama. He's back. I mean, if he does this one shot, I mean, everyone will be very happy. But if he continues around, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what shape Takayama's awful body is. That's true. He wasn't, he wasn't in the best of shape uh, a couple of years ago. After all the high living on uh, TV dramas, I don't know. This this will be interesting. Unless he was, of course, getting in shape there, getting on the treadmill, yeah, uh, possibly, you know, maybe spending a little less time in makeup to really cover the dents in his head. But uh, I, I'm interested to see Takayama back just to see not the shape that he's in, but his wrestling skill ability and the fact that I, I'll probably cringe like a mother every time he takes, you know, an exploder suplex to the back of his head or, you know, I'm just picturing him doing an other style German and possibly the top of his head coming off and just like all of a sudden, like uh, this big, bright, shining light sucking up everyone in the Nippon Budokan, all 16,378 people that will be there for that big show. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things, Joe, where I, I think Noah is is going to have to sometime this year bring, you know, it seemed like they were doing an okay job of possibly getting things set for the future, getting Kenta towards the top of the cards, getting Marafuji towards the top of the cards, and then, you know, they eventually lose matches and are back where they sort of started, which which is fine, I guess, right now. But at the same time, in order for them to do that big dome show they have to do next year, they're going to have to sit there and at least give one of these guys the serious push, the serious rub. You know, at, at, at one part, yeah, Marafuji's not towards the top of the card right now, not getting that big singles push that I definitely want to see him getting. But at the same time, he could be facing Shibata soon, which makes Keith very, very, very happy. Well, I was going to ask about this. We have you have Junakiyama as the champ right now, and it seems like he's just a, a placeholder until they figure out with, who they're going to push next. Do you think a, a junior is is the answer? Maybe a Kenta, Marafuji, maybe a Morishima, a Yone, maybe a Shiyazaki, a couple of years. I, I I think any of those guys right now could possibly be if book properly because the problem is the fact they could have let's say let's say Marafuji has a fantastic match with Akiyama and doesn't win doesn't win the GAC strap and that's fine but then maybe a few years later I mean a few months later he has a rematch and finally wins it because it's basically what you need is to have a match that totally elevates this guy towards the top of the card and then finally winning it like maybe having the guy come close and then possibly a rematch somewhere down the line but the thing is, you have to think about that now and the guys that you want to have up there. I Morishima, I, I enjoy Morishima's work and his very small hands. But at the same time, you know, like I, I would rather see him him one on one with Takayama, just because because I, I just have a fit, picture that the the ring lights could go down, the disco music could start, and they could have a fantastic dance off. Mm. Do you think? But, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. 
But Go, I mean, Go Shizaki is, is, a, is a fantastic worker. You know, it's good to see him back. And a lot of those juniors will be there. And people sit there and go, well, I don't know if, you know, junior heavyweights will be accepted by pro wrestling NOAA fans. If they make matches exciting enough, and if, at least if they're sort of marketable, then I, I think they definitely can be. You know, like, forget about this you know, junior heavyweight and heavyweight status. Let's concentrate here on who can go and who can't go. And it's not like you sit there and be like, you know, have you ever been there, Joe, gotten a DVD and just sit there and go, oh, great, there's a Kenna match on here. Oh, Jesus. You know, know, the good thing is the fact that those guys in Pro Wrestling Noah are guys that you necessarily aren't going to get sick of, you know, but what you don't want is them to be sort of Masala level where, you know, you sort of dread when they have the matches until every once in a while Masala does something like his match with Morishima around this year that was just like, reminds you once again why you at one time loved Mitsuharu Masawa. Uh, is it time for Masawa to go to the uh, comedy matches there? I, you know what? I would have no problem with Masawa dressing up like Drunk the Clown and hitting people with pies. I really, if you do that, do a Dreamer Driver. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The Emerald Frozen, and you know, do a few other of Tommy Dreamer's other moves, and then just bang. That's it. That's beautiful. That's glorious. You know, I, I think every once in a while, Masao will do something to impress us, to remind us that he is still, you know, a fantastic worker. But you know, if I've done as much stuff, if I've done all those tope suicidos, and you know, had to deal with those wrist clutch burning hammers and such, I think that I'd probably be winging it in the ring as well for for as long as he has. You know, so if he goes comedy routes, I have no problem with that. You know, I had a, you know with the new uh, Wrestle Kingdom game coming out for the PlayStation Two, they should have a hidden character and have it be Broken Down Misawa, where he he's not responsive to the controls, he fucks up his moves, he just looks bored and uninterested. <laughs> or, or you know what they should have, you know, screen, you know, streaming from Chicago, me actually watching Bored Misawa <laughs> and just actually just sitting there on the couch in my office, just sitting there going. Okay, where's that? Where's that copy of the Hustle Program guy that I'm looking for? Ooh, look at this guy! You know, I I, I think that would be fantastic. I am always going to be a fan of Sleeping Masala though. Yeah. When when Masala is so uninterested in the match that it looks like at any second now he's going to do something tremendous, like possibly like a Tiger Driver ninety one, and then just fall asleep as the guy hits the mat. <laughs> uh, last last but, word on uh, pro wrestling, Noah. Uh, what about Rikio? Is he completely done as uh, any kind of title it's, contender? Yeah, I, 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 I would like to think that possibly they could build him up. I, I think one of the things that that Pro Wrestling Noah, the problem with Pro Wrestling Noah right now is the fact that they do have to build up people, and that's the most important thing. Mm. Because the guys that are in there now, I mean, you look at those four guys that are going to be fighting in the main event at the Budokan, and you're just like, wow, my God, this is this is a great way to celebrate the five years of Pro Wrestling Noah. The same guys that were towards the top of the first year. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, never mind about that, you know. But uh, I think what they definitely need to do is have guys like that. Another idea is have a good tournament. What I mean by that is the fact that earlier on this year, Pro Wrestling Noah actually did have that awesome tournament to determine the number one contender for Junaki Allen's Global on a Crown. Yeah. But the tournament was not something that was filled with enormous star power, Joe. No, there wasn't really a lot of star power. It was basically a contest to see which one of these guys no one would want to see in a professional wrestling match <laughs> against Yuyaki And the problem with that is the fact that, you know, you sort of want to have 
you know, big-time title matches, huge extravaganzas in the Budokan, where people want to see someone, you know, want to see something special. But at the same time, what they need to do possibly is bring in a tournament and bring in guys like Rikio, Morishima, and all these guys can look good in a tournament and come out of the tournament stronger, sort of like your New Japan G1, and possibly do something with them after it. So, you know, that, that's one thing I've suggested for a long time. Unfortunately, uh, Noah has a restraining order against me, but I showed up, I showed up at that Ring of Honor show and, you know, Hugged, hugged, of course, uh, the ring announcer from Pro Wrestling Noah, and he kicked me square in my testicles. And you know what? It was a strong style kick. Tremendous. So. Well, let's move Are we going to go to All Japan next? Or yeah, it just... is All Japan. All right. It's uh, All Japan. Things are looking pretty sunny these days for All Japan. Well, you know, you know, especially when you're looking at it through your Hello Kitty uh, mirror glass, uh, of course it's going to be looking pretty sunny because the combination of Hello Kitty and Moodleism could possibly mean Moodle Kitty. So, uh, it's, you know, you know, all Japan, like I said earlier on in this interview, last year they, you know, it looked like that they could possibly turn things around big time with all the great foreign stars that they had, the talent. You had the Dudley Boys towards the top of the card going through the real world tag league. You had Matt Morgan joining ROD. I mean, right there, you had a, you had a tremendous stuff. What happens? They lose Matt Morgan to hustle and things are never the same again. So yeah, it's, 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 it's all Japan. I mean, all Japan was when I started getting into Japanese wrestling again, all Japan was my company of choice because of all those guys like Masawa, you know, you got all the, you know, all the big guys, Masawa, Kawada, and uh, of course, you know, uh, Kimura. But uh, you had all this huge, huge talent in this company. So it was like that was a company that really, really, you know, got me excited where it was just like where I became an elitist about the, the sport. And, uh, you know, that, that's a good thing, especially in this. But right now what's going on in all Japan is you have Kojima, and he's still triple crown champion. You know, the, I think the carnival tournament this year was a pretty damn nice little tournament. And uh, the fact, though, that you keep on hearing talk about Kuchima go working possibly for the G1 and also tag-teaming with Razor Ramon Harday, the MVP of the Japanese wrestling business right now, uh, is just really sort of saying a lot where it's just like, whoa, you know, like, what's, 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 really, what's really happening right here with this company? Uh, but at the same time, they're lucky where they have had a lot of great outsiders this year. Minoru Suzuki, uh, you're, of course, Kensuke Suzaki without mullets. You know, you've had a lot of, there has been some decent talent in this company this year. Carnival Tournament was pretty strong, but at the same time, it's not, you know, it's not. All Japan has been one of those companies for, like, since, of course, all those guys leaving the ex, mass exodus to Noah has been one of those companies where it's sort of been, you get times every once in a while where the death watch is definitely on. Mm. But it doesn't seem like that right now, thanks to Hello Kitty. So, yep. that, what I have to say to that is, God bless Hello Kitty, and uh, you know I, I think I think I think with due time that all Japan could possibly become a player again, but they just have to. I don't know. They just need to do something to sort of shake things up. You know, I I, I look at all Japan sort of being like the IHOP of the Japanese professional wrestling world. You know, it's always sort of going to be you know decent and enjoyable, but they have to do something new. Now IHOP has something right now called the Funnel Cake Carnival where 
basically, you know, it's a celebration of funnel cakes. And I never thought of, of you know, IHOP as having funnel cakes, and I'm a big funnel cake fan. So I guess what I'm just suggesting is Hello Kitty, Mudo Fun Cakes, and I think funnel cakes, and then I think, you know, all Japan will be strongest once again. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's when Mudo took over, if you had told me a few years later everything that happened in all Japan, I would sort of be happy just for the fact that it's still around. So, <laughs> because if you, you sat there and been like, wow, you know, oh, the Van Pura was in for a few tours, and, you know, Mike Barton and Steve Williams was a, was a feud in the year two, <laughs> 2000, you know, 2001, and just all the stuff that's gone through, and, you know, like, you know, just, just, just you know, just all that has made me sit there and be like, you know, I, I don't want to sit there and say, yeah, all Japan's not going to be around for another year or two, because I think that they will be. And number two, I, I don't necessarily... I, I see them being sort of like not just IHOP, but like the mighty cockroach, where you really can't you can't exterminate them, you know, unless of course they exterminate themselves. For the fact that they have someone that's been their world champion now since last February, and it seems that they actually do a decent job of building up contenders, as they did in the carnival tournament this year. And it seems like there are definitely rookies there and talented guys there. And more importantly, they sort of realized in the past few years when there weren't talented guys, time to get rid of them. You know, time. If there was some guy that was towards the top of the card, that they realized that you know, oh, this guy isn't good. Okay, you're going to Kings Road, sucker. You know, like for example, Miyamoto. Miyamoto, when I saw him originally in All Japan, like when he started as a rookie, I was like, well, okay, this guy isn't too bad, but I don't know if I'll necessarily ever see this guy as a good singles wrestler. He took his trip to America, found the nunchucks, found the muda, fruit muda paint, and a nice Japanese flag, then came back to All Japan under all this hype, and Kawada killed him, literally, in a few minutes. And it was awesome because the whole time I was just sitting there going, Yep, that's what you get for picking up the nunchucks on, you know. And then, and then the big irony of it all, Kawada starts picking up the nunchucks and hustle. Wow. Don't think the irony wasn't lost on me, kids. No. All right, well, let's let's move on to a zero one. Actually, we have some some zero one news. And um, did, you, did you just take a sip of a drink? I, I just took a sip of the drink. I'm sorry if it sounded way, way too loud. So I'm not used to talking this much. This is why I prefer interviews on my show as opposed to me talking, because yeah, I like to sit there asking the person a question, putting the phone or recording device on mute, and then just you know just possibly turning up whatever Growing Pains rerun is on the Disney Channel. Oh, okay. I, I, I apologize. I apologize to everyone listening right now. That I just took a drink, and I'm not only drinking water today. No royal road liquor, no chopped beer, nothing special like that. So, I just found that humorous for some reason. It was it was, it was quite funny, especially since we're probably going to be talking about the fire festival next. Oh yes, I have the lineup here, but well, actually, let's go over the fire festival lineup. Quite the uh, star-studded lineup. It's, By it's which a I not- mean, there's uh, there's nothing interesting at all here. Well, there, there's nothing interesting until you get the guys and the possible combinations of matches that could possibly happen. I mean, no, actually, they're really well. Murakami's in it, in it, and I, I always will have a soft spot for Murakami. You know, mm-hmm. I have since you know he was you know Ogawa's tag team partner, bitch. The guy that always looked like that he had some sort of nasty argument that he wanted to give with you, and possibly the greatest Japanese orator of our times. You know, Murakami has always, I've always liked Murakami, except for the point where he actually shaved his head for a while, 
that I was not a Murakami fan. But the fact he's in this tournament in the same block with uh, Yoshi makes this, or as I call him, the new Kabuki, uh, makes this something that possibly I'll see somewhere down the line, but can't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah, Here's the, here are the lineups. In the A block, you have Shinjiro Otani, Masato Tanaka, Yutaka Yoshie, Kazunori Murakami, and Tomoaki Hanma, who will not win a match. I guarantee you that. I will I will say that he will win one match. Really? Who's he going to beat? Uh, Murakami by disqualification. <laughs> Murakami will go nuts, and he'll actually try. He'll actually find some light bulb tubes and try and bring it back <laughs> to some sort of Big Japan deathmatch style circa 2002. Well, in the B block, we have Takeo Omori, Kohei Sato, Ryoji Sai, uh, Tatsutoshi Goto, I couldn't read that for some reason, and Daisuke Sekimoto. Uh, wow. not, not even Chris the Bambi Killer this year. What's up with that? Chris, the, the fact that Chris the Bambi Killer is not in it this year, Dr. Kupolpinski and his fine Dr. Kupolpinski show will not cover the Fire Festival this year. So basically I feel that Chris the Bambi Killer will be getting that call right now. Well, actually, wasn't he supposed to be signed to a WWE deal? Or yeah, I remember he something. Deal. Well, obviously when you're a Bambi Killer, they don't really care about your sordid past. But, uh you know, I, I, you know, the Fire Festival is the one thing that you know Zero One has done pretty well for the last few years. Mm-hmm. You know, like I look at early Fire Festival matches and just think of there's been a lot of awesome matches through the time, and there could possibly be a few awesome matches here. But uh, I, I, I tr- the sad thing is I try and remember last year's Fire Festival, and I remember Kensuke Sasaki in it, but I can't remember anything else about the festival, and that sort of worries me right now. Yeah. So uh, you gonna pick a winner here, or <laughs> uh, you know who's gonna win in all this? The fans of Zero One Pro. Oh, uh, well, let me think. I I I would think that he, the sad thing is I look at all these names, Joe, and not one name screams out winner to me. Screams out possibly B Block Co Champion or you know. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I would love to see Murakami win this. I know that won't happen. Otani, he's always, you know, a good pick to have towards the top. I don't necessarily know if that will happen. Masato Tanaka has all that awesome steam built up from that fantastic breaking down, you know, the house match that he had at one night stand, again, with Balls Mahoney. So it could be his time. I, I don't want to sit there and say that he's necessarily due for a win, but at the same time, if it happens, I'd be very happy. So... Right. That, this go, could this could change very quickly, of course, after I realize the error of my ways. I'm going to go with uh, with Yoshie. Okay, I'm gonna, a dark horse pick. That's it's a, it's a good dark horse pick, though. It's not like one of those things where I just feel like you know you're picking him. Ooh, where I almost feel like I almost feel like vomiting afterwards. That that's the one thing I want I wanted to be put here that you know there will be no vomiting whatsoever. And uh, you know the one thing the one thing I have liked about Zero One over the last few years has been you know Masanaga, Mister Danger, coming in and possibly doing some fun karate. And the fact that he is not in this fire festival upsets me greatly. So I I am not a fan of this whatsoever. And and last year's fire festival was I was right about Kensuke Sasaki. However, he lost to Otani in the finals thanks to the power of Dead Shinya Hashimoto. So. You know, Otani is coming back in this, but uh, and and also, if you remember last year, 
Tadai Yatsuda, the money debt king, was also in it. Perhaps really things are extremely bad because he's not even working for Hustle right now. So uh, I, if Tadai was in it, he would be my dark horse. Uh, Otani could be towards the top, but it could be Masao Tanaka's year, so I'm going to go with him. All right. Uh, more zero one news. We have a powerhouse tag team being formed of Omori and <laughs> Nenobu Nakanishi, dynamic oh, duo, won the zero one NWA Intercontinental Tag Team titles from Kohei Sato and Ryoji Sai on June 24th. What do you make yeah. of this? Well, the, the fact that they, you know, lost to a far less superior team than Yoshi and Karina really speaks volumes here, Joe. The fact that, you know, that really the other teams, you know, tag team one was sort of just, you know, it was just basically holding him so, Naka, uh, so Naganishi can hold it with his mouth and sit there and go, yes, I am once again Naganishi and I am champion. And where is he in the Fire Festival lineup? Yeah, really. Yeah. I would think that he would be a guy, but he might miss some big New Japan shows, even though he is a tag team champion. I just, how come no one is calling this group No Fear? Or No Fear Again? No Fear Again. No Fear Again. Because really, you know, like, because I always, you know, watching watching No Fear go up and sit there and go, oh, look, it's, you know, it's Amori and that other guy. And then everything that's happened since then, it's always it always makes me chuckle. Yeah. Well, well, it's time for a subject near and dear to your heart. It's hustle. Oh, hustle! I love I'm, hustle. I'm sure you've watched the the Hustle Aid show. How, how could you? How could you? How could you not, Joe? It was fine wrestling, fine storytelling, and more importantly, it was for a good cause. Yeah. Well, wait, what was the good cause? I don't really know, and I, I I really would like to just skip ahead to the next question, so I seem smart. Okay, so, well, I, I guess I, I, I want to say I want to say it was for a uh, you know what kind of cause it was a very good one. Okay, well, this is my first experience too to the full hustle experience, and I guess I have a nagging question. Okay, what 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 the fuck is going on? What, I, mean, well, I, guess, I mean, the tag title match, the guy with the volleyball, Kaya, the strongest housewife. The, the snatching the car, the ref in the mask, the giant egg, the girl with the scar and the whip, and the the Takata robot duplicate like Doctor Doom with the superpowers. Explain well, yourself. What, what, what you have to remember this, Joe, is this is different from that Japanese pro wrestling that you you know your dad introduced you to on a fishing trip one year. <laughs> I and mean, this is this is fighting opera. This is totally different. This is Japanese wrestling with storylines with guys that you know, the guys that you don't necessarily get to see anymore. Like, if you want to see Kawada now, he's not going to be sitting there, you know, doing seven or eight hundred Isaguris in a match, and a match going, like, you know, 35, 40 minutes. Oh, no. He's going to be fighting with, you know, a fine tag team partner that isn't Tawe, but is Yinling, or Yin-sama, the erotic terrorist. So... The one thing you have to remember about Hustle is the fact that Hustle has the stars that you want to. You want to see Tajiri now? Are you seeing Tajiri anywhere else? No, he is Hustle all the way. And granted, this doesn't explain your question. The basic way you have to enjoy Hustle is this. You don't speak Japanese, but you know that they're doing something wacky. Therefore, it's something that's very, very enjoyable. The fact that it's a very simple premise and a simple story. And the fact that they've done in almost three years of existence, 
done more to hype one match than any wrestling company has done in a long, long time. That match, of course, being Takata versus Ogawa, just speaks volumes about the awesomeness behind Hustle, where you have, you know, one side, the Hustle Army, that is the good side, so to speak, sort of like the Rebel Alliance. They believe in nice pelvic thrusting. You know, they believe women coming out of eggs are evil. I mean, this is this is a group that every man can, you know, identify with. At the same time, you have the Takata Master Army. You have a guy that's an evil chef. You have Sodom and Gomorrah. You have, you know, Kawada forgetting all about his pelvic thrusting in his Bruce Lee jacket and putting on his nice M. Bison costume because he knows he is the next Generalissimo. You have, of course, you know, the original Generalissimo Takata fertilizing an egg with his magical powers and possibly bringing out the finest professional wrestling to debut in the main event of a Japanese show so far this year, uh, the Esperanza himself, and just sitting there and blowing away the entire hustle troop. I mean, you're talking here major, major celebrities. Ogawa, you saw how far he went in the Pride Grand Prix. <laughs> you know, he is he is an Olympic. He's a judo all, all medalist right there, Joe. I mean, you know that he's a fine, fine wrestler. You remember how awesome that feud was with him and Hashimoto. You remember that, right? Sure. Okay. Now, would you actually like to see him work a professional wrestling match, or isn't he much better in a hustle where it doesn't necessarily matter if you can work a match at all or not, as long as you have a wacky character and you can do a nice m- microphone performance? Well, why don't we go over the results here, and uh, we'll give our thoughts on the match. Okay. Uh, first match had hustle came in red, blue, yellow, and orange. Beating Monster came in purple, white, black, and brown. When Hustle came in red, used the Shooting Star Press on Monster came in purple. And this was a totally fine match. This was some wacky, high-flying fun. I felt bad for the guy in, in brown, which is just not a flattering color for a bodysuit. Well, I mean, uh, especially for a Cayman. Yeah. You know? And the, the Cayman matches are always, like, sort of the exciting matches. They're the matches that gets the crowd very happy and, you know, just a lot of cool fun stuff always goes on with the Caymans because basically it's imagine all those years that you spent watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and imagine them finally wrestling you know without you know the pink ranger getting out masked or you know anything else happened so you know I, I always enjoy the Caymans for what they are because I know that they're only like sort of like the foot soldiers in the battle that lies between the Takata Monster Army and of course the Ogawa's Hustle Army all right, match two, Hustle Super Tag Titles match. Erica and Margaret defeated uh, Wataru Sakata and Ryoji Sai. Yes, we were t- I was just talking about Wataru Sakata. Uh, he, he was a guy in Rings and Pride, uh, the badass shooter, and now he's doing this uh, this goofball stuff. I don't know what to make of it. Goofball? No, he's not, that's not a goofball at all. What he is is a pure, pure wrestler right there when you think about it, you know. You know, these Hustle Super Tag Titles, Joe, these are big-time tag team titles. I mean, the fact that right now New Japan really doesn't have tag team champions, who are the All-Japan Tag Team Champions right off the top of your head right now, Joe? Uh, there aren't any. Okay, see? Look at that. There's no tag team champions there. <laughs> pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Noah, who are the uh, big tag team champions? Kobashi and Honda. And how long have they had the titles? Like Almost as long as Erica and Margaret. I'm just saying right now, Joe... That quite possibly, well, they, they just they recently acquired those belts, correct? Uh, yeah, like a couple weeks ago. 
and this this match at Hustle Eight happened a few weeks ago. So uh, or a week ago. Well, let's pretend it's a few weeks ago because right. I'm just basically trying to illustrate the fact that Erica and Margaret could be the most dominant team right now in Japanese professional wrestling history of the last few weeks. <laughs> you know, right now you have two, you know, Aja Kong, Amazing Kong, wearing some very nice costumes, getting in the ring, fighting against men. You know, this isn't like you know it'd be different if it were, if Tamon Honda was more of a woman, but he's not. <sighs> it was, you know what? It was a nice ten minute match. So, would it, would it would it be something I would watch again and again? No. Would it be something I would sit there and show my professional wrestling friends from ChicagoProWrestling.com? No. But it was something that it was there, and I didn't hate myself after watching it. So therefore, I sit there and say that this tag team has my full approval and my thumbs up. All right, good to know. <laughs> Next match, Giant Silva and Giant Vabo defeated Captain Hustle, Naoya Ogawa, and the strongest housewife, Kaya, uh, when Silva used the giant body press on Kaya for the win. Well, he, he luckily, the Gigante Silva, I know your favorite oddity next to Golga, the late mm-hmm. Golga, the uh, Golga, showed, of course, what you know his monsterness was all about in taking that washed-up, has-been, Formal model, basically the Japanese version, sort of of like a Carol Alt or a supermodel, and of course pinning her after a giant body press, especially with his tagging partner Giant Vabo. A number of years ago, if you remember the year 1989, Spivey, Vicious, Long, the skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, uh, earlier on this decade, Sing, Silva, the skyscrapers. I'm saying right now, there's a new skyscrapers in town. Wow. It's the guy for volleyballs and the giraffe king himself, Gigante Silva. And this is a tag team. You know, if I was Erica or Margaret, I'd be, you know, shitting in my lovely lacy bridges right now. Oh, what a lovely image that was. I, I know, I know. I mean, Giant Bobble is one of those characters that's very wacky due to the fact that his wrestling ability is not that good, but his volleyball ability is king. I can't argue that, nor can I argue that Giant Silva is very humorous when he trash talks in English. Oh, it's, mostly anything Giant Silva does is good. If, you, you know, if you've ever listened to the Hustle guests on my show, they are always big fans of the Giant Silva's megaphone performance and work. Mm-hmm. So, All right, well, next match we had Team 3D beating Kintaro Kanemura, Masato Tanaka, and Tomoaki Hanma when Hanma, of course, did the job after a 3D. Yes, and, and luckily there was some dancing in this match, which I know, Joe, as a purist, you always enjoy a good dance in a match. Yeah, this was actually a, a fine match. It uh, would have been a little bit better without the crowd brawling, although I did enjoy the spot where Tanaka and Bubba ran at each other on the ramp and they started about 80 feet apart. Well, <laughs> that was the question to see who actually would get winded first and just <laughs> collide into each other or crash into each other like the two bulls and government mules that they are, so... You know, it's it was it was one of those matches. I always appreciate the Dudley matches in in Hustle, just because you know it's it's something fun just to see them in Hustle, especially because uh, Bubba Bubba Ray or Brother Ray was the first guest on my own show, and he told a story about you know seeing Razor Ramon Hardgay uh, on the street and actually pulling over the All Japan bus so he could yell at Razor Ramon Hardgay, <laughs> and the fact that you know. 
he is now in the same promotion as Razor Ramon Hardgay. Always makes me smile. I remember that interview. He he kept kayfabe, but did so in an entertaining manner. I, you know, or as I like to call it, the kayfabe, where it's basically where it's they 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 are sometimes talking to themselves, but they just tend to drift into their characters just because they're talking with someone that they think is a huge character. Mm. All right, next match and the surprise of the night, frankly, as a uh, Satoshi Kojima and Razor Ramon Hardgay beat Sodom and Gomorrah when uh, Hardgay used a diving body press on uh, one of them. I forget. The M-Lock. Yeah. It was actually, I believe that that was, uh, Gamora is the Jindrak and the Sodom is uh, Morgan. So I was wondering who, who drew the short straw and had to be Sodom. I guess well, it was Morgan. Well, Sodom sort of sounds like Morgan. You know, Gamora sort of sounds like Jindrak. I just hope that the cameras from the Mark and Matt show were filming during this because, <laughs> you know, the Mark and Matt, Mark and Matt live yeah, doesn't sound all that good. Sodom and Gomorrah live, my God, we're talking, we're talking internet hits, adult front finder hits, we're talking going through the roof here, Joe. You know, this match uh, was about a million times better than I thought it would be, especially since three quarters of the participants were Matt Morgan, Mark Jinjack, and Razor Ramon Hardgay. Yeah, those guys, those three in the ring. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, Hardgate isn't just about fast pelvic thrusting. I mean, the guy has some fine amateur skills, you know. I, I would say this, that if he was doing a two out of three falls with Ric Flair, he wouldn't feel the need to blade Flair like a mother after the match just to get his heat back. I guess so. Uh, my favorite part of the match was when um, Kojima fell off the top rope attempting an elbow drop and got the heat on himself. <laughs> If that was your favorite part of the match, Joe, I'm a little bit worried if you were watching the same match that I was. Because I just watched was, it over and over. You just, just watched that spot over and over? I really did. I didn't finish the rest of the show. I just kept watching that over you and over. Well, you missed a lot of it because the rest well, of the show, I, I mean. No, I actually did finish the show, so. I mean, it was, we got a powder keg of, of fun after that, so it That's was. That's very true. It, it was, it was a, a very, very fun time. And Simon Gamora. Say what you will about the skills of Mark Jindrak and uh, the other guy, Matt Morgan. Yes. I was about to say Sean O'Hare, but then I just got in this whole natural-born thrillers mode. Say what you will about their skills, but they're no Buffalo Monster Dan Bobish or Crook Cook Lee, who was uh, the evil Monster Army chef. So it's nice to see that their selection of monsters has become a little bit more, you know, special in the last few years. Well, that's good. Uh, match six, we had Tajiri uh, and Otani beating Monster K, Toshiaki Kawada, and Nuyin Sama when uh, Tajiri pinned Sama uh, with a schoolboy and unmasked her to reveal a hideous scar. And yeah, you you were upset about that scar, you know? That was, was very upsetting. Well, the thing you have to remember about about Yin Sama is this: I mean, she, you know, her, the person that she originally had some stuff cloned from, you know, she died, unfortunately, at Hustlemania, the big, huge show last November, and she just started as a nice little egg, but luckily, because that egg was fertilized with lots of hustle love, or actually monster love, that she was able to come back and defeat the hustle army, and thus, she came back with this mask, but we never really saw what was behind this mask, and it was good to see Hustle sat there and wanted us to see what was on there. But at the same time, weren't you happy, though, to see, like, if you sat there and took, you know, Yinsama out of the equation, 
but had, you know, everyone else that was there, you'd be pretty, pretty happy. Or how about this? How about this? What about this? You take Insama out of this match, Joe. Instead of Insama, just have Insama's whip. And just have have Kawada and Insama's whip versus, of course, Otani and Tajiri. You're talking about a five-star match right there. Now you're talking. You're talking, but uh, yeah, that was a hideous, hideous scar. I mean, I, I'm I'm actually just getting a little freaked out right now, just thinking about it. The worst thing is the fact that we have not seen her nude yet, so she could possibly have other hideous scars that I don't even want to know about. No, let's let's just move on. Well, <laughs> big, you know, I, I can never get tired of talking about hideous scars. So, no. no. Well, a big main event or surprise main event was. The Esperanza beating Tajiri in 4 minutes, 44 seconds, by KO with a high kick. Oh, yes. And yes, then uh, was... he used his mental powers to to wipe out um, Hard Gay, uh, Ogawa, and Otani. But he, he, you know, obviously, when you are fertilized from a humongous A coming from the ceiling of the Saitama Super Arena, you know, you definitely have an edge. You would sort of be in the head of the class, not Howard Hessman. So... I mean, right there, he was—he used his skill, he used his might, he used those huge kicks. But just the reaction of the, you know, hustle army and the hustle troop was just tremendous. Just the fact that they all looked like they had seen, you know, you know, it, it sort of looked like when Ultimate Warrior—I'm sorry, Warrior Warrior—showed up on WCW television, and that look on Hulk Hogan's face. Say what you will about that, but that look could possibly equal dollar signs. And it was quite fun to watch just the look on Ogawa's face, the fact that this Esperanza looked like a, a nemesis from Ogawa's past and could possibly destroy this army. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was quite fun. I really, really enjoyed the end. And plus for the fact that now it means, you know, possibly more of Kawada in that very nice Generalissimo's outfit. Oh, could be. Well, I'll say this about Hustle. Uh, it was not boring. That, that, uh, and, and think about the last time you said that about a Japanese wrestling show. You know, <laughs> oh, it's, it's not boring at least, you know. Imagine how awesome this would be if we could understand Japanese, though. Or yeah. at least get some very nice subtitles for all this stuff. Because sometimes, I mean, you know, when you have Tajiri, when you have Otani, when you have, you know, Kawada, and when uh, Ogawa or, or the woman with the scar isn't in it, it could, Hustle is quite fun. There you go. So, you know, yeah. think, don't think about it as the promotion with the guys just, you know, trying to groin you while you're watching it. Think about it as a promotion that's trying to do something a little bit different in Japan right now, has had the build-up for one of the bigger matches, past build-ups in the, you know, recent Japanese history, and you will enjoy Hustle, and just, just, just enjoy it for the wackiness of it. Don't, don't anticipate watching this and watching the Noah Dome show last year and watching the chop battle between Katsuki Suzaki and Ketsu Kobashi and think that you're on the same wrestling plane, because you're not. Because if you think about it that way, you're not going to like it. And don't, don't watch Dragon Gate Six Men and watch this, because, you know, that obviously is going to slant your opinion of it. So basically, if you're watching a, a bad ep- episode of Impact, if you're watching some sort of WWE skit that reminds you of everything that you liked about the Attitude Era, era put in two minutes, Hustle might be for you right now. That may be. I would like to say that while Mike Sempervivi may dump on Kentaro Kanemara, I bet he always does the Team No Respect dance. He, he, he actually approves of the Brief Brothers dance. 
so that's how old school Mike Sempervivi is. Uh, yeah, Mike, Mike has, Mike has obviously some, some flaws and some shortcomings, but a, but a fantastic guy, and you wouldn't know this about him, very, very awesome eyebrows. He possibly has the best eyebrows I've ever seen on a man without plucking. So that, wow. that's really saying a whole lot about Mike Sempervivi. And, uh, you know, he might not like that dance, but I've seen Mike Sempervivi dance, and let me tell you something. It's to the level of the Brief Brothers. So, wow. you know, especially when Keep Them Separated is being played. Yeah. All right. So, well, we've, we've covered quite a bit here in our in our conversation. I think we're about uh, all set for the for the evening, unless there's anything else I, you'd like to discuss. Drain, uh, Dragon's Gate is nice. So okay. That's, now, I, I, I've been watching a lot more Dragon's Gate recently, have been enjoying that, you know, as much as I can because that's something that, you know, it's just just to watch those matches and sometimes the way they're laid out and just all the fun that's involved in there, I'm really, really liking it. I'm glad that we're not actually talking about Lucha, that I was not invited for the Lucha edition due to the fact that my Lucha watching has been cut by at least four hours a week since... Uh, since Galavision has decided that CMLL was too good for my American ass, but luckily they had all this AAA. So you know that's and actually the good thing about it is the fact I didn't even have to tell my TiVo that I didn't want the AAA. The TiVo knew and just decided to stop recording for me. So it sort of helped me, and uh, you know I'm 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 very happy to be you know talking with you for so long about Japanese pro wrestling this week because. No matter what you hear or what you read on the internet, it's true. But uh, no matter what you hear, what you say, you know the business in Japan is changing, is constantly changing. As is, of course, every business if they want to stay around. But uh, you know, not all hope is lost. There is a lot of good wrestling coming out of Japan. It might not be on the same level of a few years ago, but if it was, we'd be sitting there complaining about how you know nothing really has changed that much. So give Japan a chance, everybody, because Japan loves you. That's very good. Why don't you? You have a lot to plug, so why don't you? Uh, why don't you go nuts? Oh, let's see. I of course have to plug the Dr. Kipopinski show, produced by Zach Arnold and Dr. Kipopinski, exclusively at PressPower.com. Have uh, two episodes up there right now that I've have released in the last two weeks, including interviews with. Mike Barton, Brian Harrison, who directed the awesome uh, Heroes of World Class documentary, which, Joe, if you haven't seen this yet, I'll, I'll warn you my copy. It is okay. that, that good. I mean, it is, it is fantastic and something that should be watched, even though, of course, Al Perez does not exist in the realm of this documentary. But uh, I have to say that those were fantastic interviews. And also, of course, we got Hat Guy on this week, which right there, that's that's something incredibly intriguing and should be listened to just for history's sake and also highlights of a conference call I was on with Bill Goldberg and what seemed like a million wrestling reporters as opposed to MMA reporters. So <laughs> right there, you're bound to have some fine times. And Excalibur, Excalibur Pro Wrestling Gorilla, in one of the finest interviews I've conducted this month. So definitely something to check out. Next week, I mean, towards the end of this week, we're going to have another new episode because I just love cranking them out right now. We're going to have on the show Dewey Robinson, who played the one and only Missing Link. We're going to have him talking about his book right now, which I just finished, entitled Bang Your Head. So that should be that should be some fun. And also, we are going to have Joey Eastman, who is behind the 
totally true wrestling show, their third show, their third annual show coming up on July 15th in the beautiful, beautiful town of Berwyn, Illinois, my, my hometown. And uh, they're going to have a fantastic show. More importantly, myself and Joey are going to be sitting down with WWE Hall of Famer Iron Sheik on the Dr. Kipopinski show. Oh, and more importantly, wow. more importantly, we have a goal here. The goal is to go more than five minutes with the Iron Sheik because the last radio interview he did, <laughs> of course, lasted a very brief time. It is my goal and my duty to go more than five minutes. And then after that five minutes, sit there. And I'm going to try. My goal in this interview, besides going the time that I talked about, is to just try. And this might be a hard goal. Just try and get a list from the Iron Sheik of who he dislikes the most to the least. Because while listening to the shoot that he did for Boston Wrestling, I was like, okay, let's see what the pecking order is, okay? Worse than Hulk Hogan, worse than Nikolai Volkov, you know, like worse than Michael Jackson. Like, I just want to see where everyone lies. So, and, and of course, finding out new and exciting people that the Iron Sheik hates. So that, that's going to be something for that. I'm trying to think if I have any plugs. Uh, F4WOnline.com, I do a little column there every two weeks called The Doctor's Notes. Uh, definitely check that out, and definitely check out that message board because it's usually a hell of a good time, uh, you know, even with some monster heels on there. So, you know, um, trying to think. I think, I think that's uh, uh, PressDVDSource.com. I, I, I literally could go on for plugs for days. I would like to thank But uh, I want to thank you, Joe, for having me as a guest this week because Mike wouldn't reply to your emails. That's, no, Mike. Uh, Mike Simpervivi did reply uh, after after I had contacted you. He seemed to he seemed to sense that I had gone to Dr. Keith and said, "Why well, better reply?" But it was too late. I had Dr. Keith booked. Mike Simpervivi will have to wait for the future. Oh, Perhaps man, I can have him him and Adam on at the same time to discuss something or other. I would actually like to be on with them because I have not actually talked to those guys well, other than Mike since they uh, they left the PPH. So you know, I would. Love to be on there, but I don't want to steal their spotlight. So you know, especially because I like to talk. There you go. Uh, let's see. Well, I guess that's going to wrap it up. As always, we have a full archive of shows at thecubsfan.com. This is number nine, so there have been eight others before this. If you like what you hear, please spread the word. Uh, big thanks to Dr. Keith. Uh, big thanks to Zach at PureSuperPower.com for the hustle results. Big thanks to Spreewell Rooms for posting the Hustle Show, and big thanks to Chris Feely for finally making a graphic for this show. And I guess that's it. Keith, any final words? Hustle, hustle, Joe. Oh, should we do a hustle countdown? Oh, dude, how did you know? I just, I had a feeling. All right. Are you ready, sir? I'm ready. All right. I'm glad you didn't ask me to do any megaphone crooning because I still have it's, – it's going to be another day or so until I can do that again. So. Okay. Or hustleating because if I did some hustleating here, it would really – people wouldn't listen to my show then. All right. So. Okay. Three, Three, two, two one. Hustle. 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 To be fair, it took Mike like 20 years to get it right too. All so. right. Fair enough. Well, thanks for being on, Dr. Key. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll talk to you very, very soon. 